Fantastic Four theme from the mid-2000s. <laughs> ah, boy. Oh, the Fantastic Four theme. Yes. Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Granny's Peach Tea, uh, episode 102. 102, man. 102 on another Monday evening, kind of settling home into this little spot for, for the time being. Uh, but thanks for joining us, as always, and joining us on your Facebook live stream. If you're joining us on YouTube, Twitter, or wherever you found your audio on the podcast, we always appreciate the support. Uh, yeah. And with me, as always, is Jason. Jason, what's up, man? Good to see you. Good to be here, Ed. Good to be talking some some Fantastic Four to the rise of the Silver Surfer. Oh boy, uh, you know. But before we get into it, I just want to. I just want to. I want to say, brothers and sisters, under Khalil, during this broadcast, you can support our page by sending stars. Now, I, I need you all to dig deep, brothers and sisters, under the red sun, and I need you to send those stars because a digital gift that helps. Helps us earn money is what those stars are. And this ministry is about two things. This is about Khalil, blessed is he, and it is about stars and money. So please dig deep, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> but now that I got that out of the way. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. Give me one more second on this uh, oh, no, sharing wow. thingamajig. But... This is the first time I actually fell short. Wow. Okay. So uh, what have I been doing lately? All right. So... <laughs> I've been playing Cyberpunk again, guys. I got, I got, I'm in this play it's Cyberpunk right before I signed on here. And, uh, you know, I, I told the story about, like, how weirded out I was that you had a choice for genitals, right? But now I'm playing this game, and I think my character's attracted to another character in the game. And and I actually tried to put the moves on her. Uh, my character is a female, by the way, just, just to be clear. My character is... Um, you know, bisexual. Um, and not that it matters, right? But I mean, why not? We're just throwing it out there all the time. Um, and so, I, because there might be a possibility of a hookup, I went and I put genitals back on her. That's it. Ah, all right. So genitals instead of like you know, I don't know, a Barbie doll or something like it's, that. Exactly. It was a Barbie doll before, but I was like, you know what? I I would I would feel remiss about this character I created who I'm making run around putting shotguns in people's faces all the time if I didn't at least give her real simulated sex. You know, I would have felt like a dick. Okay. Interesting. So that's what you've been up to. Video game sex. <laughs> that's yeah. No, 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 no. I was pre preparation for possible Prepar video game preparation sex. for possible. Listen, you always want to be prepared, everybody. Like, make sure that you're prepared at all times. That's that's right. You never that's know right. when you could get surprised by video game sex. Look, guys, always have your genitals intact because, look, video game sex by habit. If you don't have your genitals, you're fucked. Well, you're not fucked, and that's the problem. That's a that's a great PSA, Jason. That is <laughs> that that's what you need to watch out for. Whatever you're playing, Mario Brothers, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> That's right. Madden, whatever the hell it is. <laughs> whatever it Just is. Make sure you get your genitals on, man. <laughs> God, I give, I give the worst messages. Kill alien babies and put your genitals on. Why, why does, what, Farachi, why do you put up with this? <laughs> he caught us at, he caught us at a perfect time here discussing more, <laughs> more genitals. We've been discussing more genitals in the past two episodes. This is what happens when you cross a hundred. Now it's we're true. at the point where we're talking about genitals every week on, on different comic book and video game characters. It's true. It's true. I, I, you know what it is? I'm like, I'm like a, the teacher. I am like, no, I'm tenured now. You can't get rid of me. I've been here a hundred episodes. <laughs> 
Yes, Farashi, we, lo- we, we love you too. We're hoping we we're not too, jumping the shark now after the 100th episode and, and jumping it onto character genitals. <laughs> you know what, though? I will not talk about any more genitals tonight, but I cannot promise the same of Johnny Storm. Just saying. That's a fantastic tease. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a fantastic tease for what we'll be covering tonight. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, episode four of season nine of The Flash. Uh, episode 8 of The Last of Us, which just dropped last night, so we'll throw up the spoiler warning before we jump into that, because we're not sure if everyone has seen it. it hasn't, uh, no, not even 24 hours yet, so excuse me, hopefully you got a new game for that, or go watch it and then come back. Uh, and our movie of the week, as we, if you have been following, you'll see that we've been talking about Fantastic Four, so we figured we'll go ahead and knock those movies out while we're at it, while we, you know, lead up to Shazam because we, we conquered that part of the superhero movie Ren. Oh, wow. That is a pretty cool Doctor Doom, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. That is a pretty cool Doctor Doom. Um, we'll be talking about Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer from 2007. A year later, the MCU would be born with Iron Man after this movie came out. That says a lot. That says a lot. Yeah, and we'll be discussing that more. But to kick things off, though, as we like to do here while we still have them, uh, we'll be talking about our our CW verse, the ending of the Arrow slash CW verse, uh, the Flash season nine episode four. Um, I'm gonna be honest, man. I really dug this episode, dude. Uh, I really dug this one, and I'm gonna guess that you did too because there was a very Batman-centric episode without ever seeing, of course, of course not well, seeing Batman. I mean, you're never going to see Batman on a television show that isn't canceled. Yes. <clears throat> so, I mean, all things considered, I dug this. I thought it was another, I thought it was a step up from the last two. I, it, I, honestly, I'll say this. It was my favorite of the four so far. Wow. Yes. Wow, okay. I, I dug this, and a lot of it revolving around uh, Red Death, you know, aka yeah. Ryan Wilder. Her whole I backstory see. I found fascinating. I could see that. I, I I actually did like that. That it's, um, it's her from another universe or you know another multiverse, which I liked. Uh, I liked her relationship with Iris. I um, her motivation. Like I I, don't, I yeah I I'm with you. I dug it. Like I think. There were points in this, and this is just the show at this point, but there are points in this episode where it feels like a PSA. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, at the end, where, where like, with um, Chillblain, what's his name? Uh, useless Bartender. Chillblain is fine. So, with the, uh, the Flash gives him the whole speech about, like, you know, it's never too late to do the right thing. Like, that I thought was kind of cheesy, but I did like the Ryan Wilder stuff. I did like... Um, I, I like the motivation of this villain, and I hope it remains this motivation. I hope it's not just "haha, I'm evil." You know, I hope it yeah. remains this kind of like, "No, I'm the good guy here." Yeah, and I think that's what we've we've kind of always said. When the villain in one of these comic book shows, or you know, video game, whatever it is, when the, when the villain, the quote villain, um. Is you can almost sympathize with them in a way, or they're the ones who think that they're right. Right. Those are the times you get strong villains on a, on a lot of these uh, movies and shows. And 
the short version is so it's pretty much revealed that red you know we know red death is ryan wilder but as jason had mentioned from an alternate timeline who was thrust here and in her timeline the flash is the villain at least according to her right now we've got her side of the story now according to her the flash is the villain and is like the worst thing that's ever happened to the planet and she ryan wilder style like batman style actually ended up giving, messing with the speed force and giving herself artificial speed. So she's not actually connected to the uh, dark speed force. Which I was very happy about. I thought yeah. that was a nice twist. Negative speed force, sorry. Yeah, because like we fought the negative speed force every year for the fucking past seven years. Come on, let's do something else. You know, it's like, yeah. and they are doing something else. So I did like that. Yeah, and I, I appreciated that too. And in this timeline, according to now, according to her, it could be unreliable narrator here, is... The Waynes adopted her. Yeah. So there is no Bruce Wayne, at least that we know of in this timeline. And she's the one who's there in Crime Alley and sees them get murdered. And that's why it can basically essentially picks up Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And, and goes in there. So she is the Bruce Wayne of this. Um, she even has some quotes here. You know, I am vengeance. I yep. am the knight. Like, what did you think of that? Like, because that's like direct Batman stuff here. I, I like those two. I'm I'm gonna say that when they quoted, "If you want to get nuts, let's get nuts." Yeah, I want to know that's the next thing I was gonna. <laughs> I, I that I, I wasn't here for because like that's that's not like a super Batman thing. Now you're just nodding to the movie, and that was a nice thing in the movie, but it doesn't make sense here. But the actual comic book quotes, like you know, "I am vengeance," "I am the knight." Um, I there's, doesn't she say something about like villains being a cowardly, you know, lot or something like she's got a yeah. bunch of them, and I liked it because I I do like the fact that they are in this iteration going, no, this is this is multiverse Batman. That's all. Like yeah. the, the only difference is that she's Robin Wilder, but but she's had Bat fucking Bruce Wayne's exact life, and so yeah. I I dug that. So I dug the quotes, except for the let's get nuts. So I'm going to say I actually didn't – I actually enjoyed the – you know, because there's a point where Ryan Wilder says, you know, you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. Direct quote from Batman 1989. I dug it because I kind of felt like the CW slash Arrowverse does this a lot, and I think it's just a wink to the audience. Like, it doesn't I, – I agree. It makes no sense within that. But for you, for the last season of something, you're giving me kind of the wink here. I, I was honestly for it. I kind of got a chuckle out of it. Not saying it was the greatest thing, but the heavier, I agree with you though, the heavier Batman direct quotes really were, and that's what kind of got me bought in on this and her and her backstory, like I've been saying. Um, and yeah, like I think she's the one who is pretty much the driving force for me in my entertainment in this episode because. I also think she does a phenomenal job in this episode. Do we see like serious range on her part? And yeah, that she didn't really get to do in Batwoman that much. No, no, she, we we got to see more of her acting wise in this episode than we did in her her two year run in Batwoman. Um, yeah. And yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I've always liked this this girl, I've, this woman. I've always said I thought she was talented, and I'm glad to see her actually them utilizing her in a in a good way in this last season of the Flash. Yeah, because we all thought, you know, she was done for and that was it once Bat Batwoman was yeah. uh, officially canceled. And then I'm glad she's getting, like, kind of her hurrah, you know, her last hurrah in this season. Um, 
So other things to take away from this is Joe West and Cecile's kid is actually alive. And, and like 20. I mean, they aged her what? up so insanely. It was It's such a television thing to do where like the kid goes upstairs last season as a one-year-old <laughs> and comes down this season as a 15-year-old. Like, when did this happen? How does Joe... This kid is like 12. Yeah, pretty much. How the fuck did that happen? I don't know, because I think what happened, maybe, actually, maybe the aging in the convenient zone is different than it is in the rest of the Arrowverse. Because we've we've established that that's where she goes, to the convenient zone. That's true, yeah. Uh, Maybe time works differently there. Yeah, it's like the quantum realm. Same thing. Convenient zone, quantum realm. Exactly. Um, it was it was it was pretty jarring. I have to admit. <laughs> I was like, "Is this the same kid?" Oh wait, they're saying it is the same kid. I guess it is the I guess it is the same kid. <laughs> it's like so. His ex wife was still alive when he conceived this kid. Apparently, right? I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's what we're gonna find out. That that's the backstory here. Uh, it was a secret child on the side. And meanwhile, he was with Cecile the whole time. Right. Barry was in college when this kid was conceived. That's how old this kid is. Um, so that was another takeaway. So we got out of the kid out of the convenience zone. And in the episode, Red Death, Red, uh, Death captures the Flash. Flash is kind of like, you know, held captive for a while and ends up, you know, finding his way, is escaping and finding his way out. And Mark pretty much saves the day who Mark is children, Blade who sacrifices himself, and he actually, at least they believe he's dead. Like, they kind of lead you to believe he dies in this episode. They do lead you to believe that. Let's see next week. You know, I, I've been fooled before. Um, Are you hopeful? But they did. They, they leave him behind. I, I'm hopeful, too. Um, and then that's a big thing. It's like they pull Barry out, and Barry's got no power. And he's like, no, we, you can't leave him. He did this for me, and they pull him out. And Barry's like, come on, guys. I could have done something with no power. Um, against those four bad guys who killed Chillblade, but um, but yeah, no, I thought it was a good, like if this is the last time I see him, this was an honorable death, as Lieutenant Worf from Star Trek would say, that this was a good day to die, you know. But if he comes back, all right, it's, I, I hope that he this is how the note he goes out on. It's the final season, we got all this shit to do with the last five episodes after this, so I mean. You can let him, let him go. It's fine. You're right. He had an honorable death, and you see it today. Yeah. So it's fine. He was he was redeeming. Um, we also unfortunately had some more Allegra and Chester. Oh, I was wondering if you were going to skip over that because I was not letting that pass. No, I'm not going <laughs> to let it go. Anyone who follows us would probably be like, there's no way we're going to let him get away with this shit. I mean, they address it in such a bizarre way as usual. And now Chester is kind of like over it. It's like not the greatest. And it's true though. He calls Allegra out because she brings this shit up when stuff's going down for Team yeah, Flash. Right. And she's like, uh, well, yeah, I guess this was a bad time to bring it up. No shit it is. Because you're useless. Like, what, what, what with the supervillain uh, having captured the Flash and Iris? Yes. Yeah, might be a bad time to bring shit up. Chester's like, Legra, I'm sorry. I know that you have no use on Team Flash. I do, though. So can we have these conversations when I'm not being useful? Yeah. It's, yeah, she's just got to find something else to do besides whatever it is that she is allegedly trying to do on this episode. Oh, God. And again, again, 
This is like the third season of their pseudo fucking infantile relationship. Who gives a shit? I'm going to say it every yeah. time. Until until they finally fuck, I'm going to say it every time. Who gives a shit? Who the fuck will bury it? Just bury it, it then. Um, Just end the it. Other, I'd, I'd actually rather them bury it. I, I would yeah. rather them just just be done with it because at this point it's been three years this like this is going to be unsatisfying no matter what from two characters like from a character I can't stand and another character that I think of as the lesser Cisco which you know yes. nothing to do with the guy it's just he's the lesser Cisco speaking of which there is a scene in this episode where Chester is having a it looks like an IM conversation with somebody or some sort of messenger conversation, and it's Wookiee Lover 77. So, obviously, uh, Star Wars references going on here. Kind of sounds like it was Cisco. I hope so. I mean, we got to get the gang back, like the actual gang back together before this ends, right? Like, last episode, we got to have Cisco. We got to have Wells. I mean, come on. We got to have Joe because we know he's leaving. Like, just get the band back together this one last time. Yeah, I think we're definitely, and I'm pretty sure I've seen this somewhere. I think we are getting Cisco back one last time. I don't know if it's going to be like the last episode or not, but we'll see him one more time. And I'm sure Wells will be back at some point during this because I know there was like set photos of is he you know back or not back, and I, I don't know. I I I just don't think Red Death is the big bad of the entire season by herself. I have a feeling there's more to it. You think we're getting Thawne again? I think we're going to get everyone. Because uh, it seems like Red Death's whole team right there is there, and it's just building and building and building. Mm. I wouldn't be shocked if we got Thawne one more time. We're going to get Zoom. We know that. That's been you know yeah. out there as well. And Fuck it. Greatest Tony, Tony Todd is doing the voice of Red Death, right? Like, uh, Is that him? I don't know. I thought it was actually uh, it was a JaVale Leslie. I oh, okay. Sound, yeah, no, it sounded like whatever for whatever they're putting on it makes it sound like Tony Todd. It reminded me of Zoom because he was yeah. the voice of Zoom. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm fine with the greatest hits final season, whatever. Again, yeah, it's, it's just, just be entertaining. I don't even does, yeah. have to make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. Here, do two things for me be entertaining and get rid of Allegra. Yeah, <laughs> bring your sister the, back. Part of the entertainment would be getting rid of Allegra. Yes. So, all right. Well, we're cruising along for season nine, episode uh, season nine, episode four, and there on, uh, we'll be talking about the next one next week, uh, and that brings us to The Last of Us, episode eight, which dropped last night. So let's throw up the spoiler warning for that, because just in case you didn't see it, and if you didn't see the latest episode of The Last of Us, come check this out another time uh, when you have seen it. So you have been warned. We're going to talk open spoilers here. All right. Jason, what do you got here? What do you got here for us, man? Because this was this, this was a heavy fucking episode. This was heavy. This was heavy. And I think overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, this was a heavy episode. I will say this. it And, and this isn't like a bad thing. It's just is what it is. This is the only episode so far that kind of reminded me of The Walking Dead. Okay, because they meet uh, uh, like a group that they think is good, and then it turns out to be evil. Cannibals. So the walking dead. <laughs> yes, and, and I mean, thing, yeah, that that was that is a literal Walking Dead plot. Now I don't know which came first, 
because I know like the the show The Walking Dead, and then there's this, but there's also the graphic novel, and and I don't know, like, are you even cribbing? Like, guys, in a post-apocalyptic world, of course, there will be a commune of cannibals, but yeah, you know, but I'm just saying, like, watching this, it just reminded me a bit of The Walking Dead. I, I wanted to put that out there before I talked about it. Um, yeah, and again, as as someone you watched the show, I I watched the entire Walking Dead run. I've watched everything The Walking Dead has put on TV so far, like Fear the Walking Dead. Um, you know, uh, what the hell is the other one that they there was the two season one World Beyond and everything like that. I'm gonna watch the spin-offs. I, I enjoy it. I stuck through, I felt like it was worth it. But yeah, I, I can see that, but I have I have a feel I felt this was better executed, honestly. Because Oh no, I agree. Yeah, this was definitely better executed because I think the, the difference between the last of one of the differences between the last of us and the walking dead is this show kind of gets to the point a lot faster yes. than the walking dead did. And I'm not saying oh. the walking dead in heyday was spectacular. I'm not this, knocking it. This one episode was a season of the walking dead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I agree with that. you hundred percent. Um, and again, it wasn't a knock. I just wanted to state that because this was mm -hmm. the, they're both zombie properties, not Nazi, no, no, that's bad. Zombie, whatever. You know what I mean. I can't make the joke now, but <laughs> pretend I said something funny. But, um, you know, they're both zombie things, but uh, this is the first time I've ever been reminded of The Walking Dead from it, and I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. Not even a negative. I, yeah. um, but so this episode is super heavy, super good. It picks up with uh, Joel still recovering, and of course his wound is infected, and so Ellie... She's hunting, which I, I mean, I, it's a really good Ellie episode. Like that's not set in the past mm -hmm. um, because we get to see her hunting deer. We get to see her saving Joel. Like uh, the scout party comes out. She does this awesome thing where she kind of fires, draw their attention, then runs the fuck away and has them chase her. Yeah. And she, and she said, yeah, very ballsy. And she sets Joel up with a knife and she's like, kill anyone who comes here. That isn't me. Um, and you really see them like, leaning on each other and trusting each other in this episode um they run into so she winds up getting caught by these people and they're led by i don't know i didn't write his name down but i call him teacher preacher because he was a teacher in his past life and a preacher now he has this whole thing that i found god after and he's like the cult leader you know he's the head of this this thing and there are two big reveals here a he rapes little children because he he tries to like. I have notes throughout going, is he hitting on her? Because I didn't remember this from the game, but yeah. I'm like, is he hitting on her? Is wait, he's hitting on her, and then oh, he just tried to rape her. Uh, yeah, he, he definitely. I, I wasn't sure if that's where it was going, honestly. Because remember now, for those who are unaware, I did not play the game. Jason has played the game. Has more insight on where the story is going. I'm kind of just learning as week by week as the show goes on. I'm trying to not read up on this stuff because I want to be surprised uh, completely. Um, but yeah, by the end of it, it kind of makes it clear. Like he almost wanted to, he was he was going to rape her, and yes, he kind of wanted. He was proposing to like be her wife, be her, be his wife. Yes, I mean, what a sick. 
fucking bastard this dude was. Yeah, no, it was super crazy. And it's funny because the whole, uh, funny, but it's interesting because the whole episode, he's trying to convince his people to, oh, we got to take her in. We got to recruit her. We got to take care of her. And he knows Joel is out there. Joel killed one of his or two of his men. Um, You know, he's like she at one point she has him and another one of his associates at gunpoint and they could overwhelm her. They actually do get the drop on her, but they allow her to negotiate penicillin for like negotiate, like hold them at gunpoint for penicillin to go back and save Joel. And when you when you think about this episode, like everything the teacher preacher does is because he has this in his mind. This is his end game. Like he's kind of like trying to like make the pieces fit so he can get her into his confine. And like, cause he's the leader there. Once she's part of his society, she's got no choice, but to, to bend to his will. Yeah. Hey, by the way, his name is David. David. Thank you. Yeah. Teacher. Preacher. I like teacher preacher. I, I like works. teacher preacher too. Actually. <laughs> um, yeah, when you when you when you know the ending of this, and you look back and you think back to the episode, it it makes it even more disturbing that he was willing to go to these lengths to to get her alone, essentially. Yeah, and he was going to either say you're going to come willingly, or you know, it's going to go another way that you know is not. We'll just say it's not going to be willingly. Right. Um. And yeah, I th- I thought that played well. I didn't again. I didn't remember this part from the game because it's been like a, a long time since I played the game, and I tend to block shit out with kids like that. I don't like it, so I I, might, I mentally block that out. Um, but I, I mean, she's doing great work. Uh, I think that guy David actually, the actor is doing great work, and like we'll get to the, we'll get to the Joel story in a second because that's kind of you know that's a, that's kind of the B plot, but um. We eventually find out that, yeah, Teacher Preacher's compound is run. It's cannibals. That's where they get their meat. They eat other people, um, which I don't, it's not clear. Like, they don't know it, right? Like, he knows it, but his, not everyone in the compound knows it. Um, if he, now, again, if we're to believe him, what he's saying to Ellie, he explains to her that, yeah, not everyone knows it. There's only a handful of us because not everyone can handle it. And he's just kind of like, what choice did we have? essentially, which um, I was thinking about this. I'm like, is he right? Does he have a point with this? I don't know their situation. They're hunting deer. Right. I and mean, that, that is how they run into her is like they, she barters, like she, she bags a deer and they want to, they want half it. And they trade the penicillin for half. And I think she leaves them the whole deer. So there is that, but I don't know. Isn't there always a better way than cannibalism? I would like to say yes. I will also say that we have not been in a true apocalyptic situation. That's fair. That's so fair. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm saying I would probably go vegan and eat leaves and grass before I would do any of that if it's still living. Yeah, I, don't know. I probably wouldn't. But um, <laughs> I'd probably just eat the food flesh. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> know what I knew, right? Um, but 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 the thing is, I, I guess we can say this, and I think this this is a hundred percent. You and I might go cannibal under the right circumstances. That right? I, essentially, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, I've been okay. trying to prolong it as long as possible. But let's concede this: we would never try. There's no circumstance that would have us try to rape and marry a little girl. No, that's that's there, no. There's there's <laughs> yeah. no circumstance whatsoever at all. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> 
and I, and I, I bring that up because the you uh, pointedly because the cannibalism comes and you go oh my god this is horrific it can't get any worse than this but then he does make the case like well maybe you know because we are hungry and we can't get this food and people have to eat and not everyone knows and then he goes 20 steps farther and does something that you're like no and so i think it's super interesting that the show does that in those levels i also find it interesting regarding the cannibalism part is there is a if you remember there was that scene where the guy brings in a bunch of chopped up meat and to give them to yep. cook. And he's just like, it's medicine. Right. As soon as he said that, I'm like the way that they looked yeah. at each other. I was like, Oh yeah. These motherfuckers. Are cannibals. Yeah. Something's going on here. It's medicine. It's medicine. It's certainly not human flesh. <laughs> but. <clears throat> But yeah, but uh, and this ends with Ellie killing this guy. Like he tries to have her way with her, uh, David, and he like is pinning her down, and, he, and she kills him. And that's when Joel comes in. And I guess let's, unless you want to add anything about her killing David, we can go back to the B story of Joel. Um, I think the interesting thing with her killing David and the way that she does it, because she does it very brutally, she fucking oh, yeah. stabs this dude like a thousand times to make sure. Oh yeah. That he's dead, and and uh, off on the side, I'm watching. I watched Scream three, four, and five over the weekend, and you know the running thing in Scream movies is you you got to shoot him in the head because they always fucking come back. Yep. It made me think of that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, she knows what's up. I'm gonna make sure I kill this yep. guy forever to ensure he's dead. Um, but I think it's something that like really is gonna like it's jarring with her because she really brutally murders this guy, but it's like a very fight or flight thing and she fucking fights oh yeah to like really no fucking end and it, it also made me think of the stuff he says to her of you have a violent heart like repeatedly telling her that yep. and it shows to be true but not in a way that makes her evil i mean it's no. fucking survival she was this dude is she knows he's a cannibal he's got some weird power over people as their father figure and like she, he proposed to her, and then was trying to rape her, and, or or yeah. cut her up and eat her. Yeah, exactly. Like she, she had no he's choice. checks every fucking box. She had no choice, and and you know what I noticed too, and I'm glad that we didn't move on. So thank you because I didn't look at my notes. But he gives her this a similar speech that the general gives her in the last episode. Yeah, like you could of. be better. You know, so yeah. it's like this repetition of this motif of a father figure coming, but this one is not really actually looking out for her like the other one was. So I thought that was interesting. And yeah, her killing him, it's like, and I think this is the first time she's really taken a life. Like she says she killed someone, but she didn't kill her girlfriend. You know, they got bit and she That's survived different. and her girlfriend yeah. didn't, you know, and she, she holds that blame, you know, that blame, but you know, and then we saw her like watch Joel kill someone under similar circumstances, and he told her to go away in a couple of episodes when he when he shot that guy in the head. But this is her actually having to enact that herself, and I, I do like that you get to see it take a toll on her. Like she's when Joel shows up, she's visibly shaken, like she's you know out of it, and and of course she is. But like, what choice did she have? That this was it. It was survival. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
So I wanted to get your perspective. So when he, when, when we see her escape or she's in the, actually, matter of fact, when she's in the cell and she breaks his, his hand or his fingers and he gets pissed and like backs away, he calls her a C word, which I don't even like saying the word. Like that's how, yeah. Stir, I don't know. I just, I hate that. I really do hate that word. And for me to use that because he has to really push me. Yeah, exactly. Um, I did you expect that to be the Joel showing up and kind of like saving the day at that point? Because we see him starting to get better, and he kind of like does his quasi Batman Jack Bauer esque escape. You know, he starts healing up. It's very. It made me think of Jack Bauer for those who watch Twenty Four because he fucking stabs the dude in the knee and is like really torturing him there. So like that that was my favorite part of this whole episode was that scene where he stabs a guy in the knee and he's torturing him and he gets the information he wants and he and this is, I, I wrote the quote down right he's like uh, you focus right here or I'll pop your fucking kneecap off like I was like yes sir I'm focusing right now um but like that whole scene and then he gets the information mm-hmm. and he shoots the guy in the head and the other guy goes, no, he, he was telling the truth. And this is the coldest thing said in the entire episode. And, and this is an episode with a child rapist in it. This is the coldest thing said. He just looks at me and goes, no, I believed him. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Joel, Joel was not fucking around. And I think it, a lot of that is the driving force of he needs to get to Ellie. Yes. And save her because of how yep. much he cares about her now and the bond that they have. But did you think, yep. I mean... Well, did you think that he was going to show up and save Ellie? Did you think Ellie was going to save herself? Because she does um, save herself. I, I thought Joel I, was going to show up at that point and save the day over there. Though, To be honest with you, I didn't, but that's probably because though I didn't remember the details of this game, I do remember that there's a there are a lot of there's a lot of stuff where Ellie gets herself out of the like, oh okay okay yeah so like I, I like I don't remember this the, the story part of this game but I do remember the part of this game where you go off, do Ellie shit, save yourself, and then meet back up with Joel. Okay. I just didn't remember what the story was. So I kind of, I did know she was going to save herself. Okay. Now from now from the perspective of someone who knows nothing about the game, I thought that's where Joel breaks in and saves the day. But actually I am yeah. glad that didn't happen, honestly, because this, this made yeah. Ellie that much more badass the way she gets out of it. She fucking puts a butcher knife through this dude's fucking throat to get him yeah. out of there. Which, by the way, the guy who does take it uh, was Troy Baker, who was the actor who we had mentioned last episode. He was the voice oh, yeah. actor of Joel in right. the game. So that's, it's still kind of cool that's, that he got to do something. That is super cool. And I agree with you. This It would have been fine if Joel showed up and saved her. It's yeah. kind of, And I think you're right. It's what anyone who doesn't isn't familiar with the game would expect. But this is so much better because... She doesn't need to be saved. And I think that's kind of the point too, right? Like, you know, Joel wants to save her in the way he couldn't save his daughter, but she's not his daughter. She's been different, had different experiences. She doesn't need to be saved. She needs something more from Joel. And I think that's kind of solidified in the last episode, well, not last, but in one of the last lines where when Joel shows up and he finds Ellie, who's like pretty much upset because he killed, she killed this guy even though he has to, he calls her baby girl and they hug. And it's like, you know, 
the bond is forged there. You know, it's like they're that's his surrogate daughter at this point. Yeah, and I when I recall that was what he used to call his actual daughter. That's the first time. Yes, he says absolutely. Absolutely, which is why it was important. That's why I wrote it down, like that it was baby girl, because now he's really feeling it. Like he's been, he's been fighting it. But like, but also, and what I like about this this story is, it's not that he feels it for her because she's overly reliant on him. It's actually quite the opposite. Like she saves his ass, and she can take care of herself. Like if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for her, he'd be dead. Yeah, and if it wasn't for him, she'd be dead. And they can both take care of themselves, but they need each other to go that extra mile. And I think that's what makes this story great. And I think that's why it's important that she saved herself and Joel comes for emotional support after. Yeah, that's it's, they're both kick ass characters. A hundred percent at this point that can definitely hold their own. Um, I did want to go ahead and, and show this still here from the episode. Yeah. So this is basically this is David here for those who have, have not seen, you know, seen the episode yet or have. And then they have this banner there. We shall, when we are in need, we shall provide. Like knowing what we know about that whole community, pretty disturbing. I think this yeah. is like cannibalism leaning shit here. Absolutely, and and I want to ask you this too, like. He's also raped other girls in this community, right? Like, this is an isolated so. thing. No, I'm assuming even the the young the young girl that he kind of scares off, or he like hits one of them, mm. who says that he should because because the thing is, this community wants revenge on Joel because he took out one of their own. That's their whole motivation to start off with a lot of this, and of right. course. You know, knowing what David, know we know about David, he wants, you know, he, he sees pretty much another person to prey on. You know, essentially another a new a new victim who's who's not in this whole thing, and right. that's that that's kind of their their thing here. So, um, yeah, I mean, she's like, oh, we should go ahead and and, and kill this guy, or kill her too, or something, and that's when like. David goes at it and fucking backhands her and slaps yeah. the shit out of her. And I I think he did something with her as well. Yeah, you're right. Actually, you're right. I didn't even think about that, but 100%. You're right. Yeah. But this is the second to last episode of the season. Which I was shocked as shit about, man. I mean, this was a quick run. Like, I really enjoy. I'm really enjoying this. And when I when I saw last night that it was only one episode left to the season, I was like, "What?" That was yeah, it. That was my response. I, I, that was it. I was like, <laughs> I went, "What?" <laughs> then I put something else on, <laughs> and that was it. Then then you, you got over it, and it was okay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, so we only got one more episode to talk about The Last of Us. I mean, it's uh, kind of a bummer, but, you know, phenomenal show, you know, straight, straight through. Um, yeah, I've been right, enjoying so it a lot. Brings... Again, the actors, Pedro Pascal and um, the chick who plays Ellie, whose name I don't remember because I don't remember anyone's name, both phenomenal. So Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your uh, 
your transition. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, it's fine. We're, we're all good. I'm going to go ahead. Bella Ramsey. Bella yeah, Ramsey. Who plays that yeah. yeah. Both, both of these actors, I think, do a phenomenal job. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right. So that takes us to our movie of the week. So as we had mentioned earlier, we, you know, watching Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania a few weeks ago on our 100th episode. Maybe think of Pete Reed, a lot of his Fantastic Four ideas. It's like, all right, I guess the time has come for Fantastic Four because, like, when the by the time the MCU reboots this thing, we still got we're still a couple of years off. So, whatever. God, I, I I can't wait, man. I I like I can't wait for the MCU to reboot this because I need a proper Doom. You can start off with that, honestly, because I why what else would you start off with? Because we talked about this last week, so. All right. What, so, what do you think? All right. Talking Doom. Sadly, and I'm going to say this sadly. Let's let's be sad, Victor. Oh wow. This is oh. <laughs> Done. He threw himself Sorry. off the table. No, actually, this is and this is why I don't love this this figure because you could actually take his mask off and see his face, like in this movie. And yeah, that's that's actually why I brought this here. I was going to reveal that later, but thanks, Victor. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I think sadly this is the best Doom we get in these three movies. Okay. Like, um, and it's not great. Like, it's it's weird. So, like, he's just been in this statue for the years between this movie and the last one, and he's not dead somehow, and he only gets released when the Silver Surfer comes to Earth. Okay. Um, but this this is the only this is why I think it's the best Doom right because it do, he actually does something Doom like in this movie he's the only fucking Doctor Doom outside of the Roger Corman movie to do something Doom like which is shit that surfboard has power I'm gonna try to get that power myself I can't okay let me strategize and use the good guys to get that power and then flip it on them like he does to galactus in secret wars right mm -hmm. he actually does something like dr doom in this movie and so as terrible as this dr doom is i do think it is the best of the three movies that we're covering in this run simply because of that that fact are you saying already that he's better than doom chef stop stop let's not pretend <laughs> let's not pretend <laughs> Oh man, we get to watch Doom Chef this week. Um, how, how the fuck did I get talked into this? Because <laughs> you love the show. That's what it That's is. Because you love the show. It's for I the, do. You just love it that much. I love the show. I love our listeners. Blessed is he, Kalel, who has brought me here. Please, <laughs> please, during this broadcast, you can support our page <laughs> by sending stars. <laughs> um. So I one thing weird that I noticed about this movie, by the way, it's PG. It's not PG thirteen. It's rated PG. This. Oh, you're right. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. How? Why did they just make the movie and it happened to get a PG rating? Um, I don't know. I thought I thought that was a little bit strange. I'm just saying, our last episode where I asked the hard hitting question of how does the thing have sex got an R rating. Johnny Storm asked that same question this this movie and it got a PG. I call bullshit. No wait, I call BS so we can get a PG. 
<laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was just a, a weird thing that I happened to catch in the beginning of the, um, you know, just by turning the movie on, on Disney Plus. Um, this movie, overall, I don't know if it's better or worse than the, the first one, honestly. There are things that piss me off about this movie tremendously, so maybe that's those I'll use as knocks. But I think similarly, there's things I like about it. Like Same. we we can go through the you know, like we usually we used to do a lot of by, by character, but we talked about Doom, which yeah, I'll I'll say fine. I'll, I'll say Doom is better than this movie than the first one. I'll I'll, I'll give it that. Um. Reed, I like better in this movie. I actually do. I think, especially when you kind of like that scene where he talks to the general and is like, I'm, I'm engaged to the hottest woman on the planet. I'm like, okay, fine. That's, yeah. Say, you're not wrong, but. And, and I'm, yeah, I mean, this is Jessica Alba. I mean, yeah. 2000 Jessica Alba. Jesus. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually, I agree with you. I like him a lot more. And I actually like all of them with the exception of Sue, because they're still writing her kind of shrewish, which I don't like. Um, and, and you know what I think really works in this movie? in the Because I think the beginning of this movie kind of does work, and it falls apart at the end. Mm -hmm. But them dealing with celebrity status, and I think that's part of why I like Reed more, because having them like, oh, everyone knows who we are, and the paparazzi's coming to my wedding, and I'm Reed Richards, and I have two hot chicks who are not escorts wanting, like, getting turned on that I'm talking about, like, you know, string theory. And it's like, watching them deal with celebrity, I think, was super interesting. Yeah, I found, I found that to be interesting as well. Um, and Reed's handle on it, I thought, was was good. And I, and I think he's actually more of a leader in this movie than he is in the first one. Now, again, this is more... He's, this is the second movie, and they've been on adventures, we're assuming, at this point. So I do see some character growth with him. Um, Johnny actually gets depth in this movie, where he's like not just party guy. He's Chris Evans does another good job as Johnny Storm. And it's like, yeah, you know, like, shit, the end of the world is going to end and all this other stuff. Like, he sees, you know, Ben with Alicia, and obviously Reed has Sue, and he's starting to wonder, like, man, am I... To get to find somebody, the way he finds somebody is absurd, though. Like he's kind of winking at this one army, this army woman it's, that's there, yeah. and then there's no explanation of how they get together. And at the end of the movie, boom, that's his date at the wedding. Yeah. The, when the, did that happen? On the cutting room floor, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that about? Yeah, no, that, that didn't make any sense. It happened way too quick. Um, but I, I, I will tell you something I did like about Johnny's character is that he becomes the super scroll. Um Yeah, basically. You know, which I actually am not being I'm not being facetious. I did like that I like the power swap. I like because he's kind of even envying Ben Grimm. And I, and again, best part of this movie for me is Johnny Storm and Ben Grimm. Again, Michael Chiklis and Chris Evans knocking out of the park. Their fucking chemistry is great together. Yeah. But getting, like, the first power he takes on is Ben's, and he becomes the rock. And Ben, like, gets the fire, and you actually get to see Michael Chiklis in the flesh for a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, this whole movie is about him kind of envying Ben's relationship and Ben's ability to actually settle down with someone. So I, th I thought it was cool, like, and, and envying Reed in the same thing. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, so this is a symbolic way of me getting to walk a mile in your shoes and understand what it is to get to, like, this movie had stuff going on. It just didn't execute it well. Yeah, and that's what we said about the first movie. So yes. there was ideas that are good in both of these movies. And I think the casting was actually pretty solid. And when you, you kind of look back, and I know you're not in love with Reed Richards in the first movie, but... I, I like him better in this. Yeah, he's definitely better in this, but yeah. I, like I said, Chris Evans and, and Michael Chiklis do wonders with what they're given to, and they are the standouts in this. Um, and sure. Sue, like, I, I still stand by the same thing. Like, Jessica Alba, I'm not saying she's a phenomenal actress or anything, but it's also not fair because of how she's written. She's written to be a nag in this movie. Again, yeah. I, I think I think the thing is this is I think we said this last week. The problem with Jessica Alba is it's not that she's not talented. She's not talented enough to elevate this material. Yeah, and I you can't blame her for that. Like this material isn't good, and I agree with you. She's written to be a fucking nag. Like she really pissed me off twice in this movie around the same point. The first is when General Andre Brower, and by the way. Andre Brower is in this movie, my friend, from Homicide Life on the Street. I saw him in high school. Real quick story. When in high school, when I was like still young and energetic and did shit, I went to Shakespeare <laughs> in the Park and I watched him do like Henry V. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, phen phenomenal actor. But uh, he's the general. I love seeing him. But like, so the general comes and is like, I need to see Reed. She's like, oh, well, he's having a geek meeting. And like, she goes to, I, I don't know what the fucking party room in the Baxter building. I don't even know where this is. Uh, it's, I it's, think it's is just this a like, nightclub of some sort. I mean, that, that's what I thought it was. I don't think it's in the Baxter building. But then how did she not know he was having a bachelor party? Because that was part of the thing. Shh, don't tell Sue that we're having a bachelor party. I, I don't remember how the hell. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Hand Stupid. Hand wave. Doesn't matter. That's not even my problem. My problem is, is that He's literally just dancing on the dance floor with two women, right? Like, he's not touching them. He's actually doing his, like, stretch thing. Like, no one's touching that stretchy, weird fucker, right? <laughs> um, and and it's just his bachelor party. He's dancing with two attractive women. And she comes in, and she's, like, pissed off at him. And she gives him, like, you know, oh, well, you'll get this later. And then when he later on, when he apologizes, she's like, huh, no worries. I did worse at my bachelorette party. It's like then why were you giving this guy shit at his bachelor party? Why did you ruin this man's bachelor party if you, in fact, probably had sex with someone in your bachelorette party? <laughs> Come on. She, she implies something like that went down. She does. Yeah. So it's like you're going to give him shit and then rub it in his nose that you did worse after you stopped him from doing anything and gave him shit. She is such – It's a, it, it's not Jessica Alba's fault. It's a terribly written character. And I'll, I'll acknowledge that the whole thing around, I mean, we mentioned this last week, that the whole thing after the first movie was fans were bitching and moaning that apparently she wasn't blonde enough and didn't have blue eyes to be Sue Storm. So and the studio gave in. She actually has, like, her hair's a bit blonder in this, and she yeah. has, like, blue contacts for most of the movie. I feel like there's scenes where she doesn't. 
which is kind of random, but whatever. And I mean, whatever. It's like we mentioned. I mean, it's Jessica Alba, so she's gonna look fantastic in, in, in anything. But it just it still made me think though, like how how far we've come in fandom between then and now. Because then no imagine if people tried to complain about that now about a character, they would get oh, eviscerated. Yeah. Forget about it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Rightfully so Wait. eviscerated. Yeah, right. It's like, who cares what they look like? Who cares yes. that they don't look like what they looked on the comic page? Yeah, so it it doesn't matter. Nineteen sixties, okay. Um, just write them well, portray them well, show them in a good light. <laughs> um, so yeah, that covers the Fantastic Four, and then I think that also, I mean, his name as in the title of this movie is the Silver Surfer. This is the only live action Silver Surfer we've gotten, and I, I don't know. I I think he looks good. I do too. I think he looks really good, too. especially for I this time too. CGI. Yep, I thought he looked at, for. I thought he looked amazing for this time CGI. Like I was watching it last night mm -hmm. or yesterday, whatever the fuck. I don't even remember when I watched it, but I was watching it the other day. And the first time you see him, where he like comes out of like the building at Johnny Storm and he pulls up the board, yeah. that looked good. And th and this is Lawrence Fishburne's voice, yeah, which is awesome for this. Yeah, like I, I actually, I have no problem with the Silver Surfer except he's not given much to do. No, he's literally just the herald aspect yes. of this movie, and he has. We we do get some character when he talks to Sue, not a lot. Yeah, though. which actually, something. No, and and I think I think this was stupid because and, and again I know the comic book version of this. So the comic book version of this is he comes to to Earth and befriends the Fantastic Four, and they they kind of get him on their side by showing him the morality and breaking through whatever Galactus encoded in his head. And this is just like, Sue Storm is pretty. My ex-wife was pretty. I'll help you. Like, I'll save I, I thought his motivation was, yeah, I'll save your planet against the God who I've been feeding planets to for a hundred years, which Biggest problem of the movie, but we'll get to that. Oh, we're yeah, we're, we're not no, we're not going to let them get away with that. Yeah. That's that's actually next up on my uh, on the agenda. But for the Silver but, Surfer, yeah, he I, looks great. Look good, looks really good. And uh, outside of the motivation, the writing, I think he visually he looked good. Lawrence Fishburne was great. Um, I th I actually thought he worked. I thought we could have used more of him, to be honest. Yeah, I think we definitely needed this movie needed more Silver Surfer, and. A little bit more depth, but I also do know that this was supposed to lead to a spinoff, a, a Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer spinoff. Spin yes, this is supposed to lead to that. That's why in the not post-credit scene, but slightly after the credits start rolling, there's a little scene where they show that Silver Surfer lived. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, that I was supposed I didn't to be wait around for that. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> it, no. It's very short. It's just like, hey, guess what? He's not dead. And they were hoping that this was going to lead to a spinoff franchise. That never happened. Um, Which, I, I'll be honest with you, now in the MCU, I would love a Silver Surfer fucking spinoff. Because I've kind of become real interested in the space aspect of the of Marvel, because mm -hmm. I never read about it as a kid, mm -hmm. except for Thanos and like you know stuff like that. But like, I, I want a Silver Surfer show now, guys. Come on, give me a Silver Surfer show, Kevin Feige. Rick has been begging for that for a while. Of course. Uh, me and look, well, Rick and I have the si very similar taste in comics. 
Yeah, he, he, I, I, I admit, I would also like to see a Silver Surfer at this point because we just haven't got it, and he's a character that is kind of overdue. He's a classic Marvel character, so I think he is. the time should be here for this to happen. Um, there's that scene where he's telling this, he's basically telling, uh, talking to Sue about Galactus, where he has this like storytelling visuals on his abs. That I found to be a bit bizarre. <laughs> yeah. What the hell was that about? I don't know. That was strange. That was very strange. Not comic books accurate. <laughs> no, I know. Not not really. Not at all. Do you, do you think the power is just to tell the Galactus story? Do you think he'd tell every story? Do you think he'd be like, let me show you Goldilocks and the Three Bears? And he pulls up yeah. his shirt. You see it on the abs. <laughs> oh, listen, I think the guy's jacked. He's working on his abs. And he like uses it to mesmerize people into stories about anything he wants. <laughs> And especially Sue, because I, I do start to wonder if he's like, listen, man, man, look at Sue. I'm going to save the fucking planet now. This is <laughs> this planet's worth saving, man. I'm not going to use my abs to tell the story. Dude, the Silver Surfer comes to the Earth, meets Jessica Alba, hits on Jessica Alba and goes, look at my abs, baby. He goes, you know what? You're so special. I'll save the Earth for you. <laughs> yeah. I'll be back. Screw Galactus. Fuck this. I think this whole movie is just a Silver Surfer trying to pick Invisible Woman up. I don't think Galactus exists. Speaking of which, I don't think he does, as you mentioned in our group and our text messages. He kind of doesn't in this movie. <laughs> and maybe it's... that's why he decides to, like, screw this. I'm going to go ahead and save this planet now because what is this stupid cloud going to do to me? Yeah. What What is Space Fog going to do? Because that's all he was, was Space Fog. Jason, when I saw this movie in the theater... And I remember, and I looked for it this time to see if I was maybe not remembering it correctly. And I kind of feel like they make the shadow or the cloud at first in the beginning of the movie when he shows up and like eats a planet to look like it's a shadow of Galactus, like his helmet a little bit. Maybe I was just seeing shit. And I felt like they were fucking with us to think at the ending we were actually going to get Galactus and then we get a damn cloud. A tornado, wow. a space tornado cloud thing in the jig. Like, why? Why do this? I don't this know. was Galactus. If we got a somewhat comics accurate Galactus at the end of this film, I admit it might change my outlook on this entire movie. Oh, it would look, if I got a real Galactus at the end of this film, even if it looked shitty, it would 100% change my outlook on this movie. Because, again, there's stuff here. Yeah, and my biggest letdown of this movie are two of my favorite Marvel villains: is Doom. Even though it's the best Doom we get, it's still not Doom. And and fucking Galactus, man, they robbed me of Galactus. I was excited. I remember 2007 me sitting in the theater with my terrible ex girlfriend who I was seeing at the time, and she wouldn't stop talking. And all I was thinking is, Galactus is coming. Shut up, Galactus is coming. And he didn't come, Ed. He didn't come. No. You were kind of like the Silver Surfer there. You were like the Herald of Galactus. And you were hoping he was, was. going to be warning people that he's coming. He will arrive. And he just was. never happened. And I was like, Galactus, can you eat this fucking world? It's garbage, please. And Galactus was like, I'm sorry. I'm just space gas. Sorry. Someone passed me in space. That's all. Such a totally wasted opportunity. That could have been the thing that saved this fucking thing. Man, was that a letdown. Um, 
You think it was this? You think it was the money? Like they didn't want to actually CGI something? You think they used all the money on Silver Surfer? And the rest Maybe. of this movie looks good, actually. I will it does. say this: the CGI in this movie is better than the first one because the first one does some weird choosing, and I mentioned this last week, of to do green screen at at weird times to make it look like New York, and it's very obviously green screen. I didn't feel yeah. that that much in this movie. It kind of like I don't know. I didn't notice a lot of the weird choices for green screen. No, I, I agree. I thought this. Uh, I thought the effects were actually pretty good in this movie. Yeah, I thought they were solid. Yeah. Um, but the Silver Surfer also heals Sue because Sue basically is dead at the end of the yeah, film. That doesn't make sense. And Jason literal hand wave heals her. He yeah. literally waves his hand and it heals her with no explanation. Yeah, he, goes, he goes, Sue, you're not dying. And she went, but I am. How does that make sense? And he went, I hand-waved it. You're fine. Exactly. You you actually got a hand-wave in one of these movies. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. Again, it, the logic breaks down so badly. Um, and also, like, the board brings Galactus. That was weird. Yeah, not actually Silver Surfer or anything like that, where he doesn't communicate. Because the Silver Surfer is supposed to go ahead and basically check out the planet ahead yes. of time and tell and inform Galactus that, you know, it's basically good to go. This is the next one right. that you're going to do it on. Yeah. Uh, you're going to eat. It's not like he's sent there with a Homan being uh, like, like the board. It's like, oh, the board's just going to draw him here. It's like, well, why would it? Like... The Silver Surfer didn't say, hey, this is a planet that's good good for you. No. He's just going to follow him and that's it. What if the planet was awful? Like it was going right. to get Galactus sick. Right, which I think this planet would. I mean, fuck that. Galactus, I think this planet would not, not because of the planet. I think it's a great planet. Earth, please destroy the human race. Keep going. We're trying to destroy you. You'll win. But <laughs> I, I think eating this planet would be terrible because he would be eating humans. And we're a terrible species. Yeah, so it would get him sick. Yeah, it would get him very sick. He'd go, oh my god, oh, I just spit out racism. What's that? <laughs> um, so after everything happens and the hand wave happens and Sue's brought back to life, they didn't get to actually have their... They didn't get married at the beginning of the movie, which they're trying to do. And they kind of just randomly get married and decide to, like, have like I guess because they're in Asia, they have an Asian style wedding, and they fly everyone to there to for this wedding, including oh, the yeah, priest and Alicia. Weird. It was just very strange. Yeah, I just didn't know why. Weird. And this time Sue, because by the end of the, during the movie, they pretty much were like, "Oh, we don't know what to do. We want to have regular lives." And Reed and Sue were kind of like, "We're gonna go and raise our our family and stuff like that," and they were gonna kind of like leave. Ben and Johnny for to fend for themselves. That's like this weird subplot in this movie. And at the end of the movie, yeah. they kind of just like, no, we, the, the world needs us. We're not going to be dicks and just leave everyone to fend for themselves. We'll just continue being the Fantastic Four. And they also get the Fantastic Car. They do, which I thought was cool. I liked it. I thought it was a little strange when they're super high up and there's no covers on it. I was like, man, it must be really fucking cold in the Fantastic Car. But could have put some little bubble caps or glass on the top of these things. No, we're just gonna like, we're really gonna get to this comics accurate thing. We're gonna give somebody comics accurate Fantastic Car. 
And I, look, I appreciated that. But actually, speaking of speaking of the Fantastic Four flying, I did before we before we move on from this movie. Uh, they take they ride coach in the beginning of this movie, and my question is this: Kevin Smith was too fat to fly. The thing isn't. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Like I don't know, can can, can a thousand pound rock monster be on a commercial plane? Yeah, I wasn't buying that for two seconds. Out of all the things in this yeah. movie, that's what I wasn't buying. Me too. That was that was the thing where I'm like, no, this doesn't make. Look, Doom being put in the statue for thirty years. Yeah, I got that. Um, Silver Surfer got that. Super Scroll got that. That, but I don't know. Ben flying on a commercial plane. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, that's where you lose me. And that's early on, so you lost me pretty fast. Like first ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> uh, all right, so I think I guess we'll just wrap up, wrap this up. Our overall thoughts on this iteration. This is this is the end of the iteration of the Fantastic Four. Um, I think solid cast that was just dicked over by shit writing. Agreed. Agreed. So and, I know a lot of people like try to bag on the whole thing, but there was potential. I thought there was. And I'll tell you something. I, I was before this rewatch. I was someone who was like, "I'm never watching this movie again. It sucks. It's shit." I I did remember having fond feelings for part of the first Fantastic Four, which I shared in our last episode. But this I really hated, and I'm glad I rewatched it because I I feel about it now the way I feel about the Fantastic Four, the first one. It's like. There's stuff here that there's stuff that could work. Like, this is not a movie. This is not a soulless cash grab. There was something there. Some someone cared about something. It just got lost in translation. The writing wasn't good. Um, but there's parts of this movie I genuinely enjoyed. And yeah, not. I mean, you know, I think I don't know if I like it better than the first one, but I don't think I like the first one better. I think I'd put. I think they're even. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they're actually, upon a rewatch, I think they are about even. They have the same problems in both of them. Like I said earlier, maybe because of the missed opportunity with Galactus, I might ding, the, I'm going to definitely ding this movie for it, but it does have a great Silver Surfer in it, so yes. maybe they can't see each other out. Yeah, well, the, the whole Galactus thing was the reason I hated it so much, because I felt so let down, and you know, of course, I'm always just, I'm never happy when I see Doom because he's never done well. MCU, I'm watching you, fucking watching you, Feige. <laughs> but, um, you know, but like on the rewatch, it's like, again, this is probably the best Doom we've gotten so far, except for the Roger Corman one because that was literally a comic book character. Um, yeah. We got the Silver Surfer. Uh, you know, I like the cast. I think. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I, I can't ding it just for the Galactus thing anymore. It's it's a fine movie. Yeah, it's, it's, you can you <laughs> it's can do serviceable. Worse. You can do worse. Yeah. Believe me, you can definitely do worse. We've we've done worse. We have. Uh let me direct you to the Unamazing Spider-Man, the Unamazing Spider-Man 2, the Punisher movie, the um I could go on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we might be heading to some places. Well, we covered Ghost Rider already, but we haven't covered the Punisher movies yet. The other we two, haven't. the other two Punisher movies, we haven't. Which I'm kind of waiting. I've never seen Punisher Warzone. 
Oh man, I cannot wait for that. I think maybe, maybe after Shazam, you know something? When we have a, a two week break, maybe we'll just cover both the other two Punisher movies so we can finish Punisher. I'm in for that because I hated that first one, but I hear that second one is so crazy, I might love it. Yeah, I'm kind of scared that you might, and I fucking despise it. So I, I'm a little <laughs> nervous that you might. You might find the completely insane entertainment of it because it has like a cult following now. I- and I do love that shit. There's a movie called, um, oh God, it's uh, Paul Giamatti's in it, uh, and it's just and, and it's pretty much just like random violence, and it's called something real stupid shit. I can't remember the name of it. Um, I think um, I know what you're talking about. But the guy kills a guy with like a, a banana or something. Yeah, that's. Oh, that, that, I can see that happening in Punisher Warzone. That's what I'm saying. I love stupid, crazy, violent movies like that. That. Go. There are no rules. We're just going to do crazy shit. Jason, I don't. This is not a spoiler. The man, Frank Castle punches somebody's jaw off. Yes. Oh, I'm going to love this movie so much, aren't I? <laughs> I'm really going to like this movie. <laughs> I think you, you, you will find. I think I'm starting to think you might find the entertaining insanity of it. But judging it as a movie, oh no, 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 no. yeah, yeah. We'll we'll have to see. Very different. Very different. Uh, but yeah, we kind of got a little bit of a schedule after Shazam to to adhere to, so we'll we'll get around to it at some point. Figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, all right. Well, actually, one more thing on on Fantastic Four though. So, uh, Stan Lee, by the way, oh yeah, great cameo in this because he's walking into the wedding in the beginning of the movie, and he is not. He says he's Stan Lee, and they yes, actually turn him away. Kind of clever. I think it's very clever. Um, it was clever, and he was the mailman in the first movie. Yes, he was. So, I, I think the... multiverse-wise, this is he is Stan Lee in a world that he created, but no one knows he created them because they all think they're real. Yeah, that's Love great. Uh, and by the way, executive producer of this film, Kevin Feige. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. Absolutely. No, he definitely. For those who are unaware. He was executive producer on a lot of Marvel films pre-MCU. Now, how much he had in the actual creative process, that's a completely other story. But his name well, is stamped in some of these movies. I told you that I have, I have a guy, a friend at work, who I uh, we do like a study hall together. And he, in his 20s, uh, he's younger than us, but he interned at Marvel around this time when they were making, like, the Fantastic Four movie, the Daredevil movie, like so early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And he worked for Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige reprimanded him yeah, for something. That's, that's a great story. But he said Kevin Feige is a really nice guy. But so, like, Kevin Feige's been involved with the MC, with Marvel, Marvel properties for a long time. Yeah. And for I understand, he's the one who also made the decision to hold back essentially the Avengers because yes. of the one day that could happen. And thankfully, it did. Thank you, Kevin Feige. We appreciate your service. (laughs) All right, so that wraps it up for us this week. Uh, Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, If you are joining us on on Facebook, be sure to check out Granny's PC Facebook group and join the group and check out all the daily stuff we talk about on a regular basis, trailers and other stories that are shared that don't quite make the show. So you can check that out. It's a whole lot of fun. Also, be sure to join Pop Culture Pros and check out popculturepros.com. Because that's who we are presented by, ultimately. 
Uh, if you're checking out on YouTube, you can subscribe to our Pop Culture Pro. Check us out. Check out all the other cool shows that we got going on here. And if you're checking us on Twitter, follow at Pop Culture Pros. And wherever you found your audio-only podcast, subscribe to Pop Culture Pros. Check out the cool stuff. We got baseball. We got football. We got other, uh, you know, total sports shows. Uh, we even got a show, a series that is kind of split into two at the very moment briefly. We got Double O Deep Dive Thunderball is out right now with Jason and Jimmy. Jeez. So you can go ahead and check out that that uh, that episode. And our next week, are you guys coming back for a debrief or do we have any more movies to go? So uh, not not this Wednesday, but we're looking at next Wednesday, although I might have to talk to Farachi at a different date. I'm trying to figure that out now. Um, but we are going to be back, uh, not this week, but next week with you only live twice where um james bond goes to japan nice nice all right oh that's right well hold on you still you still do got some more movies in the bag for for the bond run so we do yeah we have because we we just finished thunderball mm-hmm. so we have you only live twice we have on her Majesty's secret service we have diamonds are forever mm-hmm. then we're gonna come around and do never say never again which was the remake of thunderball that Sean Connery did in 89, I think. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to uh, end off with a James Bond movie question mark? The Rock? Yes. Well, we'll have to figure that out when we talk about the movie. All right. So if you want to check out some Bond talk, check out Double O Deep Dive. Uh, also, the spinoff of Double O Deep Dive, we have Double O Deep Dive Scream, which will be on tomorrow night. Uh, I'll be back with Jader. And another very special guest. If you checked out the first two uh, episodes, they covered the first two Scream movies. This week we'll be covering Scream 3 and 4 as we lead up to the release of Scream 6 this weekend. And next week we'll be back with our final episode of that run covering Scream 2022 because they chose not to call it Scream 5. And we'll be covering the new film Scream 6. Yeah. Odd choice there, but that's what they chose to go. But it is Scream 5, what it is. essentially, and that'll wrap up our little Scream run. So, um, all right. So we'll see you guys next week when we will be talking about the latest episode of The Flash, Episode 5. We'll be talking about the season finale of The Last of Us. And we'll be talking about Fantastic Four 2015, otherwise known as Fan Four Stick which was the reboot of Fantastic Four, the Josh Trank film that probably will have its own behind-the-scenes documentary one day because the epic stories of the behind-the-scenes of that film requires its own movie, from what I understand. It is complete insanity. And, and I think Go that ahead, movie solidified... Something. That movie... I'm, like, I'm, I'll save it for the show. I'm just going to say this. That movie solidified that if you play the Human Torch in one of these lesser garbage Fantastic Four movies, you can go on to do great things in the MCU. This is true. Because Michael G. Michael B. Jordan's career somehow survived Fan Forestick, as did Miles Teller. Actually, Miles Teller survived this too. What is he into? What's he doing? He's done a bunch of other stuff after this. He was also in Top Gun Maverick. He's Goose's son in that uh. movie. Okay, I haven't seen that yet. I don't know if, you, if you're a fan of Top Gun. I would highly recommend Top Gun. Yeah. I've I've seen I, I've seen Top Gun once, 
And I remember in my 20s, it was scandalous when I had not seen it. Like, I saw it at 20, 25 because I was forced to. But, like, for a while, I was like, yeah, I never saw Top Gun. So I, I'm not a big fan. As much, okay. as, as much as I love homoerotic military montages. I will, I will say this. I think Top Gun Maverick is probably the better movie. Is there a better homoerotic military montage? Um, no, actually, there is not in the, in, the, in the new one. I don't know if I can get behind it then. <laughs> that doesn't make. Um, all right. On that note, see you next week. Peace. Better. <laughs>